Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the Standing Room Only podcast, episode number 40. I am Goose. As always, I'm here with Healy, and today we brought you another special guest, Josiah Gray with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. He is a pitcher. Before we get into that, uh, if you guys are actively listening to us, go ahead and hit that download button. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts, the Standing Room Only podcast. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, and then our social media, we are SR Only Pod. We are on Instagram and Twitter. Myself, I am iGoose with four O's on Instagram and Twitter. We have Healy as well. You can follow me at the Healy Six on both Twitter and Instagram. Yep. And then uh, Josiah, do you have a social media that anybody can follow you on? Yeah, yeah. So I have both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my Instagram will be JoJo J O J O underscore Gray Twenty One, and my Twitter will be at J Gray, J G R A Y, two Y's underscore. Um, you know, I'll, I'll pop right up, search Josiah Gray, and I'll be right there. Awesome. Everybody go ahead and give him a follow. He is the future of baseball top prospect right now, not only in the Dodgers organization, but in all of Major League Baseball. He throws heat. He has some nasty pitches. Um, but yeah, so Josiah, you're joining us. Welcome in. Um, <clears throat> first things first, I figured... I might as well get it started. Our last guest, we had Tyson Miller on last week, um, who actually ended up debuting yesterday for the Chicago Cubs. He mm -hmm. had a question for you. Uh, for the whole Dodgers organization, we figured we might as well ask it. Yeah. Is there a class you guys go to for swagger? He said, <laughs> he said from the tailored pants to the walk to everything is just swag. And he, he wanted to know deep down if there is a class you guys have to take. <laughs> I wish there was, but uh, no, it's kind of just like you, you join the organization and, you know, you kind of have that just this swag, like you said, uh, to you because, you know, you're in the Dodger organization. So it's there's no class or anything, but it is kind of just like once you join the organization, you know, you're, you're in the, probably the best organization in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. You're a Dodger. You just, you just have that about you. Yeah. So I figured, yeah. I had, I had to get that out of the way. We had a laugh last week and I thought, you know what, let's, let's, let's see what the talk is about. Let's see what the hype is about. So <laughs> we'll see if Tyson, uh, if he listens into that one. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell us, uh, tell us, I know you were drafted a couple years back or you just finished rookie ball. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you were traded from the Reds over to the Dodgers, which I think is huge for your career. Uh, mm -hmm. it was almost, it was pretty much a blockbuster trade. Um, yeah. you know, obviously Yasiel Puig and some others, I think Kemp was involved with that and you got sent over in a package deal. It was a package of prospects. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, what, what was that like for you? And, um, you know, getting that call that you're traded and, and you you just broke through to the bigs and, you know, what, what's that like for you at that time? Yeah, that was kind of a, it was a whirlwind of a day, but also like a whirlwind of a first year. Cause like you said, I had just been drafted by Cincinnati, uh, mm -hmm. relatively high. And, you know, I was really envisioning myself, uh, working my way up through that system and helping them, uh, continue to compete, um, in years to come and then getting traded that winter. I knew there were, there were trade talks going on, um, mm -hmm. with Cincinnati and, whole bunch of other clubs but I never really saw my name mentioned so I, I didn't really give it any thought until honestly the day I was traded and I found out it was uh it was my 21st birthday and 
along with, uh, you know, trying to enjoy my birthday, you know, then I had to realize that I was traded to the Dodgers. So it was really just uh, kind of just like a surreal moment to know that even if my name wasn't sort of mentioned in, you know, tweets and articles and whatnot, that the Dodgers and, you know, people in baseball were, were looking at me and they were still scouting me uh, even after my first season uh, rookie ball. So it was, it was interesting and definitely uh, uh, beneficial for me to, for, for me to come over here to the Dodgers organization and uh, be here the last two years. Now you throw gas, you're a beast on the mound. <laughs> Wasn't always like that though. Saw that mm -hmm. you, you had one college offer. You're actually a two-way player there. And the majority of it was playing the field. How did you pitch much before you uh went to college? And what was that transition yeah. into like the, the pitching life? Yeah, so I, I always pitched uh for my travel ball team uh growing up and then when I got to high school I didn't pitch until tenth grade. So it was more so just like a fun thing to do because I, I always threw strikes and you know, uh I was always a reliable guy to throw every weekend for our travel ball team. But then once I got to high school that's kind of when I started to pitch a little bit in more meaningful games, uh, per se. So 10th grade, uh, did great job on the mound. And then 11th grade, I was on varsity, uh, and I became basically our ace for our varsity baseball team along with playing shortstop. So it was just like, if I wasn't pitching, I was playing shortstop. So I was doing two way thing and, you know, I was, I was pretty successful at it. I did it the same the senior in my senior year and, Nothing really came from it, uh, college offers wise. Um, not sure why, you know, I was throwing probably 88. Uh, you know, I was a decent shortstop. I could run a little bit, but uh, no colleges came calling except for Lemoyne where I went. So I kind of just ran with that one offer I had and, you know, wanted to get on campus there and just make the most of it. And, and that that's cool. That's that's over in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. is that, forgive me for not knowing, is that, is that like a D2 or a D3 school? Yeah. So it's a D2 school. Uh, D2. we're about okay. 15 minutes away from Syracuse university. Uh, okay. And it's kind of like we're Syracuse's baseball team because Syracuse obviously doesn't offer baseball, uh, mm -hmm. which is, which is pretty unique. So yeah, we're, we're a smaller school, but you know, we have some, we have some talent up there. Yeah, clearly. I mean, you came out of there. I, I actually did not know that about Syracuse, uh, that the university didn't offer baseball. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was always overlooked because of their successful basketball program with <laughs> Melo and obviously other talented players that went there. Um, yeah. So so you made your way, you, you know, you went through, you, you, you got the one college offer, you went through, you got drafted, you get traded to the Dodgers. Um, what, what's, what's been the most exciting since you've, uh, we'll even say since you joined the majors, is it um, is there anybody in particular that you've faced, whether if it's in Cincinnati or in the Dodgers or anybody in the majors that you face and you're just like, man, this is a challenge or this guy's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not in the majors yet, but I, I know what you mean. Uh, spring training. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, spring training, just facing, uh, you know, I had my first outing against the angels, but I didn't face, uh, this is back in, in March spring training, not summer camp. Uh, mm -hmm. I faced uh, Tommy Lestella, <clears throat> Brian Goodwin, uh, Joe Adele, a couple, a couple really good big leaguers. Um, mm -hmm. And then summer summer camp was when I really got uh, thrown into the fire with, you know, facing the, us the Dodger guys, whether it be Mookie or Jock or Bellinger, 
or I had my one start against the Angels, and it was their actual lineup this time. So I faced Trout and Otani and such. Uh, so everyone's, uh, you know, you you want to um, kind of up your game when you're facing those guys, but it it's kind of like those are the guys you're going to be facing for years and years once I get that mm-hmm. call. So I just want to continue to get comfortable with those situations, facing those guys, uh, because those are the guys I'm going to be facing uh, for years, years and years to come. So tonight I I watched a old, like someone that went to my high school, they were pitching for the White Sox. He got called up, pitched against mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera, which growing <laughs> up, you're just like Miguel Cabrera. He is That's the man. Maybe. Yeah. Is there anyone that you like grew up watching or like that was on your like favorite team growing up that's still in the league that you'd be like, mm-hmm. you'd kind of be like starstruck actually pitching against them? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, uh, good question. So I grew up a big Yankee fan about 25 minutes away from Yankee Stadium. So if there's anyone, it'd probably be Judge or Stan. Uh, those kind of guys just growing up, you, you're like, wow, these guys are kind of larger than life. And also you got guys like Miguel Cabrera, as you mentioned, Mike Trout, obviously. Um, and then, and you got to always include the NL guys as well. So uh, Albert Pujols, even though he's in the AL now, you know, people still get that mixed up. Uh, Pete Alonso, you know, the names go on and on, but I, I would say, mm-hmm. Judge and Stan are probably the first two guys I, I can think of that I grew up watching um, and I'm still big fans of that'll be uh, some good matchups down the road. And I assume when it comes down to picking your, your dream stadium to pitch in, I, I initially want to say Yankee Stadium. Can you confirm that that would be that dream stadium? Man, with the with the way the ball flies out of Yankee Stadium, I don't know. But and that lineup that they have. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely uh when this is all said and done, I definitely want to be able to throw a Yankee Stadium just knowing the history there and you know, my mm-hmm. childhood kind of growing up and in in awe of that stadium. So that's definitely something I want to cross off my list when it's all said and done. Pitchers uh, you, you don't have to give away your whole repertoire or whatever, but uh, it, it takes takes a lot of practice to be able to perfect a pitch. Is there any pitch that you uh, have learned over the past few years or learned growing up that uh, you've gotten down and it just is the most satisfying feeling knowing that you can throw this pitch? Yeah, I want to say uh, the only thing that hasn't been tinkered with in my introduction to pro ball is my fastball. <laughs> uh, you know, I've worked on my slider. I've introduced a curveball as of last year. I've continued to tinker with the changeup. That's something I've been tinkering with since I could remember um, that I started my college career. So um, honestly, just continuing to grow with every pitch every day. So I would say every time I'm able to throw a successful off-speed pitch along with a successful fastball that gets a swing or an out or anything. Uh, you know, it all sits with me and lets me know that I'm doing my job well that day. And, you know, I can go out and have a good outing if I continue to have those good pitches and execute what I got to do on the, out there on the mound. 
Now, in right now, you're with the alternate team. You're just practicing, preparing every day. I think you're you're telling me before you're basically in a hotel. You go to practice, come back, chill in the hotel. What what do you do in your free time? Yeah, uh, I don't do much besides uh, watch some Hulu and play MLB the Show. Uh, <laughs> it's there. The days aren't that exciting, but you know they want them to be uh, kind of mundane because just of the uh, condition of everything going on right now. So they want to mm-hmm. keep us as limited and uh, as low key as possible. So whether that be just going to the hotel and back or say you live in an apartment somewhere down here, but you know, I don't mind it. I've, it was what I was doing out in Arizona, uh, just getting my work in, working out and going back. And, you know, now it's what I'm doing in LA. So I don't really mind it as long as I'm getting my work in every day, staying ready for a potential call up and uh, doing what I love to do. For the the people listening, if you guys do play MLB The Show, Josiah does have his own 99 card. I played against it in a video. And if you go up against someone with a 99, Josiah Gray, it is actually him. So he plays MLB The Show a lot. Uh, Did you say you played Warzone too or Call of Duty? Yeah, so I used to play Warzone big time, probably more than the show as of probably two months ago. But... Uh, the Wi-Fi here in the hotel room isn't the greatest. So I can't really play Warzone because of how much is going on. And show mm-hmm. is probably the only thing I can play. So that's just about what I play right now. Uh, I'm kind of just hoping that the Wi-Fi can improve sooner or later so I can get back to Warzone and, you know, win in some matches with my buddies. Uh, with, with being uh, in the Dodgers organization, they have a lot of great players in it. Uh, specifically some pitchers they they always seem to generate great pitching has there been any guy that uh like or like a veteran that you've spoken to during like your spring training or like during the summer camp and stuff or even like a guy a veteran that might be with the alternate site that you've gotten like mm-hmm. some uh great advice to like help you out yeah, yeah, it's a good question you raise. Uh, I would I would say like being at the alternate side, we signed a guy AJ Ramos, who was an all star. Yeah, with Miami, and you know he's probably a guy that gets forgotten about because of how subtle the signing was uh, during summer camp. But you know he's a guy that's been around for an X amount of years, and he's a guy that's seen a lot, and he's just someone that I've continue to talk to and have a com- have conversations with just about baseball and life and how things kind of can fall into your hands as long as you, you know, continue to go out there and put in the work. So he's a guy that's a, a sleeper pick and he's been, pe- he's been pitching great as well. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a call uh, sometime soon, but he's a guy I've, I've sort of continued to gravitate and, and conversate with and, try to learn stuff from so when I'm up there and you know helping trying to help the team out I have those lessons he taught me about he's been he's been around since 2012 uh he's been a solid reliever most of his career Mm -hmm. so definitely that was a cool story I I didn't even I didn't even know AJ Ramos is with the Dodgers (laughs) right now 
So. Yeah, yeah, it was a really, really subtle signing. Probably happened the last week of summer camp, um, and he he performed. He pitched in a couple summer camp games, but he's been at the alternate site uh, since that opened up, and you know he's been looking great. So you know I'm really happy for him and glad that we have him here in the organization. The depth is, the depth is unbelievable. That for that, <laughs> someone goes down, he'll be the next one up. Do you have any other questions, Justin? No, he. you pretty much asked a couple I was thinking of. I got my questions out of the way. Um, you know, obviously he's from New York. We So last week we had Tyson Miller from the West Coast. This week mm-hmm. we had Cy Gray from the East Coast. Um, going, you know, completely on the other side of the country there. Giants fan, Yankees fan. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously with, uh, you know, you're on the, uh, what is it? What are we calling it? The taxi team, the taxi roster? Yeah, so it'll just be the alternate uh, roster. The alternate, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so it's just a matter of time right now, and I know with the whole situation with the world, and obviously we saw in the league with, um, you know, the the, the you know the Marlins and the Cardinals, and um, you the know, Reds. the Reds even, yeah. And now all yeah. these teams are trying to play catch up with all these double headers that teams are kind of forcing these these call ups and making the call. So um you know hopefully you'll get that call soon i'm sure uh it's just a matter of time especially you know last week healy was showing me some of your highlights too um outside of what you know we what i've already seen and and you definitely have some nasty pitches there so so hopefully uh it's just a matter of time for you appreciate it guys thank you that was josiah gray in the dodgers organization um normally i didn't know if uh, we're going to keep him on talk sports or whatever. He might have stuff to do. So yeah. uh, he, he had to go, but yeah, if you guys don't follow him already, uh, it's Jojo underscore gray 21 on Instagram. And it's uh, J gray with two Y's underscore for Twitter. Go leave him a follow the number two prospect in the Dodgers organization. Top 100 prospect in baseball. Dodgers are killing it. Like always, they've won like six in a row. Uh, the mm-hmm. Cubs, they slumped for a little bit. Uh, Fernando Tatis, the big topic right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Fernando Tatis, last night, uh, while we're recording this, we're recording this on a Tuesday. So Monday night, Fernando Tatis hit a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch when the uh, Padres are already up seven runs and it, it sparked this huge controversy on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The manager got really mad for the Rangers. He actually threw at Machado. Uh, the manager got suspended one game. The pitcher that threw at Machado got suspended three games. 3-0 pitch. Be honest, we've seen leads be blown in baseball, especially with how many home runs are hit in today's game. With how every game matters right now, we're in a new era. That we aren't in the '80s where it's three to two ball games all the time, and the leading home run hitter has like thirty-five to forty. Everyone in the lineup can hit, especially with DHs now. You just gotta, you just gotta let people do their own thing. Three zero count through a fastball, and. Th- they just got mad that they were losing by so much. Today, yeah. Tatis, I believe, tried stealing third when the, the when they were up six zero. 
against the Rangers. He got caught, but yeah, huge controversy on on Twitter and everything. The but whole pers- unwritten unwritten rules. Yeah, which I I don't care for that. If you're uh, beating a team, you continue to hit. I mean, at the end of the day, I know some sports it's play until the whistle blows. Baseball, I guess there was unwritten rules throughout the years. Um, like me growing up and playing and like, I, I just, on a three Oh pitch, you still don't want to give this guy, you don't want to toss him a, a beach ball to hit, you know? And especially with the hitting we're seeing, I mean, me as a Sox fan, the last couple games, they've hit like back to back to back home runs in multiple innings where one inning can turn a game around. Um, so, I mean, as far as the whole unwritten rules go, I know some of them are, I guess they're padded and I don't know like what is and what isn't um fair, fair game when it comes to that. But I think what Fernando Tatis did was, was good baseball. Um, it was, you know, three, you know, three Oh pitch. It was, he got the green light. I don't blame him for swinging. And, um, you know, I'm glad that there are suspensions. Cause obviously we saw with the Dodgers, we saw Joe Kelly get suspended, um, for throwing at the Astros quote unquote throwing. So. So I think the the Joe Kelly thing and this one a little bit different because one was for previous instances with the Astros cheating and whatnot. This one was more of like a taunting rule. I I don't get all these old heads that complain about these guys not scoring and showing out. We love home runs. We love seeing runs scored. These guys coming up in the bigs right now, like Fernando Tatis at the the head of it. You want these guys to succeed. So Fernando Tatis hits a grand slam, second home run of the game, seven RBIs in that game. But no, that shouldn't happen. We we shouldn't see our stars uh showing out. Instead, they should they should be respectful to the game. You're trying to grow the game of baseball. You need this stuff to happen. Yeah. Stop stop gatekeeping what can and can't happen. We're in a new era, and it's all about showing out and proving why these guys are the best of the best. And and what does that say about your team that you have to go out not only throw at Manny Machado, who really had nothing to do with that. But then you're going to go on national TV and cry about it. Like, we're not in Little League. There's no, you know, six-run inning rule, and all of a sudden we just have to give up the inning. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've seen this year especially, it, I mean, not just this year, but any any inning, a team can put up five, six, seven runs. Mm-hmm. And so as a team, it, it's, a, it's, a game of, it's a game of chess, not checkers, in any sport. So – are you going to tell a football team, hey, you know, you ran for 200 yards and you ate up all the clock. You didn't give us a chance to score. Like, that's that's not how it works in any sport. And I don't so think, I think. With that example, I don't think chewing clock is the right thing. I think it's passing for 600 yards. Pat, or even passing, yeah. And being up Either, like 40 points. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. It's it's it it happens. I mean, I don't know about you, Healy, but when I played baseball, I got the green light to swing on three zero pitches sometimes, regardless mm-hmm. of the score, because you know he has to throw a strike. 
Yeah. Like, are, is he, are you supposed to allow the pitcher to catch up in the count? It doesn't make sense to me. So a lot, a lot of these unwritten baseball rules, go write them out and find the most expensive paper shredder you can find and just shred it or bundle it up and just throw it into like Lake Michigan. Because honestly, there's a new era of baseball and tossing a bat fans like, you know, yeah. uh, cheating. We don't like, that's a little bit different. That's not a new era. We don't respect that. Um, but, but when it comes to the unwritten rules, let's, let's just erase those. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of them. Baseball. It's changing with how they added the DH this year. Yeah. They they've added a couple of rules for the COVID, but yeah, they, they got to become more marketable. And to do that, you got to let these guys show out and do what they need to do. If you are going to complain about that, don't be losing by that much. Don't like just take the loss and move on to the next day. Life yeah. will life will move on. Also, the Rangers, same manager for last year. I was complaining about this. Last year, Mike Miner was in the ninth inning of his final start of the year. He was one strikeout away from two hundred. One two count fouled or put into foul territory in between home plate and first base. First baseman was running towards the ball, Ronald Guzman, and Mike Miner said, drop it, drop it, drop it. So what did what did Guzman do? He let the ball hit the ground, and then Mike Miner got his 200th strikeout. You can't be complaining about one thing, but doing the other. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? It comes down on the coach at the end of the day. There's no way this guy, this pitcher goes out there. They're, they're going to chat. There's chatter probably in the dugout. As soon as the ball left the bat, you know, the coach is like, all right, that's, that's BS. Like, are you, are you serious right now? And so, you know, in the dugout, it's the coach that gets the guys going, or it's the coach that gives the nod, like, Hey, let's give them a little taste of their own medicine, so to speak. Um, and then you're going to throw behind Manny Machado, who obviously is one of their best hitters. Um, not Fernando Tatis, but um yeah i think that's that's funny because that's a double standard right there um sometimes you just gotta suck it up and take the loss like a man especially especially when they're handing out suspensions the way they are in a shortened season uh 60 game Mm -hmm. season we're obviously already almost a third if not more than a third of the way there um and every game counts from here on out i mean it's always counted from day one but now especially you're 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 pushing closer and, and the rangers actually aren't that bad of a squad this year no, they're they're doing pretty decent in the standings. The Rangers, they are currently they're third. They're ten and twelve on the year. They just lost today. They've lost three in a row. So they were ten and nine. Now they're ten and twelve. Uh, they play against San Diego again tomorrow. The run differential a little garbage, but negative twenty seven on the year. But yeah, it's a weird thing to complain about. And I know this wasn't the same Rangers team, but I don't know if you remember, they won, they beat the Orioles like 30 to three back in like the two thousands or something. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Let the guys do what they have to do. Let them take every AB and try to crush the ball. I want to see these stats happen. Yeah. I I mean, they practice. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole idea. You practice, you practice hard, you go out and you play hard. And I mean, you, you just can't give up. You can't let up, you know, 
uh, whether if you're hustling to first, second, third base, or you're you're it's your at bat, whatever it may be. Because I mean, if you don't play to your potential every single play, I mean, granted, some guys take plays off, but I mean, you risk injury at that point too. I know mm-hmm. at bats a little bit different, but also at the same time, you're pitching to one of the best hitters in the game right now, and you're going to toss him something over the plate. I get yeah. it. You know, you don't want to walk him and give up one run, but guess what? You just gave up four runs because of your choice to throw a fastball over the middle. So, yeah, really, really dumb. And both, I think both managers apologized yesterday. San Diego manager apologized as well. Fernando Tatis, I think yesterday he kind of like, I I think it was just in the moment. He was like, all right, I guess I'm sorry. Like I I, I have grown up in baseball like i i'm i'll take i'll take what i learned from this and use it for the future but we saw it today he used he tried stealing third up 6-0 so i think he's he was like you know what i'm not gonna do that it's good yeah yeah and i mean the fact that he even did that too it just goes to show he's out there trying to have fun um especially because that san diego team's winning too so Mm-hmm. at the end of the day no matter which side of the ball you're on no matter what team what ball cap you have on you can't let somebody else get to you when it's a shortened season like this uh the fact that these guys are out there even playing baseball they should they should just you know it's hard it's hard to do it when it's in the heat of the moment but just take a step back take a breather and realize okay you know what we got we got another 40 you know odd some odd games going um especially fernando tatis being as young as he is like and and so i know good. like yeah, and he's obviously he's I would say living up to his family's name. Um so I don't I I don't know. I it, it is what it is. You already lost the game, you were getting destroyed. They needed insurance. Insurance runs count in baseball. So no matter what it is, no matter what the unwritten rule is, um if we don't see guys throwing at Tim Anderson for tossing a bat 50 yards downfield, uh then you can you could be okay with giving up a grand slam in a game that you probably already lost. Fernando Tatis though the hottest person in baseball him and Mike Trout both have 10 home runs on the year yep we are only like a third of the you remember before the season we were talking we're like do you think there's going to be a 20 home run hitter and we're just "Eh, maybe 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 two two and a half months of baseball 60 games 60 games 20 home runs I was like someone possibly could but we're seeing a lot of people on pace right now that's that the pitching and how frequent games are being played right now we are seeing a lot of home runs a which lot, i think yeah. i think i called that i think i was like i think the first week couple weeks were gonna be hectic because these guys only had like a couple weeks after a few months to warm up again but yeah fernando tatis mike trout both leading the the MLB with 10 home runs on the year. Awesome stuff to see. And Mike Trout, he's, he he missed a week of baseball. It's a long time right now. It is. It is. He came back even stronger, obviously dad strength. He's been cranking out home runs. The fact that he's at 10 home runs and he's played 19 games, um, that puts him on pace for, if he played the full 60 games, he'd be looking at just about 30 home runs, which I think yeah. is incredible. Yeah, right now um, he's uh 10 through 20. He did not homer. Oh, he did not. Okay. Okay. So that's still, 
a home run in 50% of the games. Yeah. And I, I did see someone post on Twitter, which could be why he's getting so many home runs this year. Mike Trout is not getting pitched around this year. In previous years, he would see a huge percentage of balls outside the strike zone and being pitched around. And his walks, his walk rate was insane. Mike Trout, he has eight walks on the year. He normally averages, wow. like, he, he normally gets over 100 a year, which is pretty good. Right now, he's only at eight. And, yeah, people are pitching to him, which is resulting you, in these home runs. Do you think it's, uh, it's that lineup? Because they have Trout, they have Rendon, and then they have Otani. At least in tonight's lineup, they, that's tough. You're going to walk him or pitch around him, and you have somebody in, in you know, Anthony Rendon, who last year we talked about a lot during the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a huge asset for that that Nationals uh, World Series team. So then it's like you're going to risk pitching to him then, uh, or you're going to pitch around him, or you're going to pitch around Otani. They have bats. They yeah. they have depth on that in that lineup there, and I know that they aren't winning as many games as they probably could be right now, but. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that says a lot right there about that whole lineup that that follows behind Trout, uh, especially if there's a runner on base. You know, it's just with Trout. Sometimes I would still risk the walk. <laughs> I I don't get it at the moment. Maybe we see pitchers pitch around him a little later in the year. I don't know. It could be the Rendon, but I was like thinking before he's had Otani hit by behind him the past couple years. Before that, yeah, I don't yeah. know who hit behind him. So they probably could have avoided him. But Anthony Rendon, one of the best hitters in baseball. We saw it last year with him in the Nationals and then him in the, the playoffs in the World Series. We went to the Cubs game last year against the Nats. Yeah. It's kind of funny to think about because the Nats ended up winning the World Series. They did. And we were talking about how Soto and Rendon are just monsters up at the plate. Yeah, and I don't know if it's – I, I know for a fact it's not the fact that they were just in Wrigley and that they're Cub killers because obviously there's some guys out there who are just natural-born Cub killers. Um, these guys just dominated. I mean, Rendon had a career year last year um, going into free agency. Um, and then Soto, I mean, Soto to me is one of my favorite players, especially after what he did last year, especially after the game we were at. Yeah, because uh, the Cubs came back in that game and they were down by a few runs. They came back. I think maybe Schwarber went yard in that game. I can't remember who did. Mm -hmm. But then Rendon, I think either homered or reached base like three or four times in that game. And he had like four or five RBIs. And that alone was just like, wow, wow. Like him alone. And they still had, well, they didn't have Bryce Harper then, but they still had, you know, other, other major, major bats like Soto and some others there. So, um, Nationals still still a, a good team without Rendon, but he was a huge asset, and and the Angels are uh, uh, definitely uh, gonna benefit from him. Speaking of Juan Soto, he has seven home runs in thirteen games right now. He's hit some moon shots. I don't know if you saw he hit, he like hit one out of City Field the other. I did not see that. He had an absolute missile, I believe, in Atlanta. He's been crushing the ball, and this dude's twenty one years of age. And he is just one of the best hitters in baseball. Batting a four seventeen as well. Yeah. 
I'm looking at like OPS and stuff right now on the stat stat board. There's a lot of guys over 1,000. It's gonna be real interesting to see who finishes above 1,000 end of the year at the end of 60 games. Charlie right? Blackman has been on a tear too. He's he's one of those. He's got to be over a thousand. Brandon Lau, he's mm-hmm. he's hit five in the past six games. Wow, wow. Mike Yastrzemski has been a beast as well. Ian Happ's up there in OPS. He's had a fantastic start to the season. He got told that he was the leadoff or the everyday center fielder. We talked about that last week. Bo Bichette's been amazing. Tim We're, Anderson's been hot. Yeah, he was a triple away from the cycle tonight. He was a double away from the cycle uh, a few games ago. He's yeah, been on a yeah. tear. Baseball is fun yep. to watch right now. If you guys aren't watching some baseball games, I'd recommend doing so. A lot of runs being scored. A lot of people are hot. There are some people who are not, like Baez and Bryant. I don't know how many times I can stand seeing Bryant whiff over a 90 mile per hour fastball down the middle. Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough. I was watching him yesterday. Uh, obviously, we we're watching the debut to Tyson Miller, and and I was sitting there watching, and I saw him. He struck out on a pitch that was like right over the plate, and it's weird. Chris Bryant's one of those guys, obviously, who's always got to be looked at as a top player, but it, it he's so streaky to me. It's when he's in a slump, he slumps so hard. And then he'll eventually pick it up. He'll get his average up. I think last year he wasn't too bad. Um, but Chris Bryant is definitely the it's gonna be a huge factor when it comes down to uh August or I should say September and October when it comes to playoff time. Cause with the way the Cubs are playing, I'm pretty confident in saying that they should have a playoff spot. Um pitching's been good, but those bats are gonna be very important. That run that run support for those pitchers, the you know, the Kyle Hendricks mm-hmm. and you know. John Lester's who can go out and give you five, six, seven solid innings. Maybe they give up two, three runs, but if you don't, if you only have a couple of those guys hidden and Chris Bryant being in the three or the four spot, isn't doing it. It's, you know, and you don't want to drop him towards the the bottom of the order because that's not what he gets paid for. That's not what he's there for. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have him leading off. Yeah. Or even if he's, yeah. Leading off. I know that you just gotta, he'll, he'll, he'll get it going um it's just one of those things with it being a shortened season it's like you got to get it going sooner than later because once baseball time hits and you don't have your mojo that the pressure's on um we don't know what's going to happen either that we might not have fans we might have fans um i know the nba after the first round might have fans so that's to me more pressure because now you're playing in front of a fan base versus nobody yeah so him and Baez. i know Baez. he had like a double tonight Mm -hmm. i don't know exactly his uh, stat line, Cubs are up 6-1 over, over the Cardinals. They're about to take their second game out of the third in the series. It is one for three. Not doing so well. And Cubs play a doubleheader again tomorrow, so they're going to play five games technically against the Cardinals. Yesterday, you and I, we both watched Tyson Miller's debut we did. And it was the weirdest circumstance ever. Tyson Miller debuted as a Chicago Cub at Wrigley Field, but he was the away team. He pitched in a seven-inning ball game, and there was no fans. 
how are you going to explain that to someone 20 years down the line? Like a child. He pitched for the Cubs, but he was an away team. He was in Wrigley. Yeah. Against the Cardinals. The Cardinals were the home team in a seven inning game. That did not dawn on me because I watched the game and I saw there in Wrigley, but I was rushing back home. I had to make a run to the grocery store. I was like, okay, I need to go get something real quick. And I'm looking, I'm like, I'm not going to catch the beginning, but I'm like, all right, cool. The, um, the Cubs are batting first. I'm like, cool, no big deal. And it didn't even strike me that they, that the Cardinals were batting in the bottom half of the inning in Wrigley. That's interesting. That's, that's the weirdest stat I've ever seen. Um, Tyson Miller is going to go down in history for that, for probably the most weirdest debuts ever. Mm -hmm. Um, Nonetheless, a few days before that, he was on the Standing Room Only podcast, episode number 39. Make sure you guys tune into that. Um, super cool guy. Super cool. You could tell uh, laid back. Uh, Josiah Gray, super cool guy as well. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the weirdest. And I think it's the, we're, we're going to keep running into more weird mm-hmm. things as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, just COVID. Another weird stat the other day. Over the weekend, there was the first ever extra base hit or the first ever extra inning home run that wasn't in the 10th inning or later because of the seven inning doubleheaders. It was either in the eighth or ninth inning. Oh, yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird weird stats right now. And like how it felt really weird. I know that there have been seven inning ball games this year. Yesterday was like the first one I watched from start to finish. It was so interesting how they were playing. Like Tyson, he threw two innings. Did I I believe he went out there for the third. No, he got through two. And then they changed two. him out immediately. He only allowed one run. It was a two to one ball game. Or was it it was a two run shot. So they were down two run home run. Yeah, they were yeah. down two one after two innings, and they pulled him. If that was a normal game, I think they would have let him ride that one out. Oh, yeah. He could have played more. He definitely – you could tell with it being his debut. And I hate to point it out, but the irony in our last episode when we were discussing and going in depth on Bucks and um, Johnny Cueto and what he does and is it a bulk, and then it kind of – it did happen – um i'm sure and he posted about it on his social media on twitter it was kind of funny so if you guys don't follow him on twitter you guys should check out his tweet regarding his bulk um it's kind of funny um and uh yeah i mean besides besides the home run he was hitting he had some very nice he hit 95 and i don't even think he said he hits 95 in in that episode i think Mm -hmm. he said he tops off now at 94 maybe 95 and he had 95 i think a couple of times so Mm -hmm. he definitely had his arsenal working with him and uh i tip my hat to him i mean he got the call last minute they said hey come pitch and he he jumped to it so that that was pretty cool yeah definitely definitely weird again seven innings how they had to like play it they they were down one run but they had to act as if it was already like the seventh Mm -hmm. inning in like a normal ball game. Very yep. weird. The Cubs did end up winning thanks to a three run Bodie home run. David Bodie. I don't know why the Cubs tried bunting with one out to advance a runner from second to third. Ian Happ, one of their best hitters, bunted to advance the runner. I don't understand that move in today's game. You have guys, you get two chances to get a hit, a guy's gonna score. 
Luckily, it worked out. Weird stuff. Baseball, very weird. Um, yeah, Cubs, they're going to close it out. Kenta Maeda actually had a no-hitter going into the ninth today. Twins were up 3-0, and oh, wow. they're currently in the bottom of the 10th because the Brewers tied it up in the ninth. Oh, man, 3-3 game right now. Um, yeah, it looks like they just – there was – yeah, three runs. Bottom of the, or I'm sorry, top of the ninth. There was three zero, and uh, wonder if any of those were earned. There was only two earned runs in this game. Um, Maeda, twelve strikeouts tonight, uh, which is a pretty good feat. He's actually having a pretty damn good year. He's a pretty good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, Twins in general have been pretty hot. Um, Christian Yelich is <laughs> still batting under a two hundred. Uh, he'll get it going. But yeah, uh, yeah. So we have yet to see a no hitter. Um, in in baseball in in the seven innings that guys have to pitch yeah yeah i i think we'll get close a couple times kyle hendricks i think almost pitched a complete game the other day seven inning complete game when uh the game was tied but Mm -hmm. he got pulled out but basketball time i think that was it for baseball we got through what we had to talk about basketball time wanted to talk about it because i'm seeing it fly down my timeline oh man. dame and the trailblazers win game one against the lakers i wonder and i don't know but i want to look this up the last time a playoff nba playoff started where both number one seeds lose game one because we saw the bucks go down earlier Giannis. Played a hell of a basketball game earlier. Had the double-double. Scored over 30 points. He had like 17 rebounds. Um, they ended up losing to the Magic, who actually don't... They, besides, um, you know, Vucevic, they they don't have Aaron Gordon. I think DJ Augustine balled out, had like 12, 13 assists. Um, it, it, it makes you wonder, with the whole... All this time off, guys had time to rest. Um, you know, these number ones, I would say in June, the Lakers and, and Milwaukee were for sure gonna go through and sweep whoever it was. Yeah, now especially in their have, home in their homes. Exactly. There's no home court advantage. There's no crowd. There's you're getting guys who were playing basketball like they were growing up in almost empty little uh stadiums or whatever you want to call it, gyms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Portland, obviously a great team. Uh, Dame Lillard, a great, 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 great underappreciated point guard in the league. Um, you know, if you asked me back in June, do you see them challenging the Lakers? I probably would have said no. But, you know, they they busted their ass. They got into the playoffs. And with that team, just looking at them, Dame, C.J. McCollum, who is playing with a fracture in his back, quote-unquote, uh, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, who's – Actually, he was battling in the paint today. I watched most of the game earlier today, and he was going back and forth with Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. JaVel McGee. I mean, he's grinding in the paint for offensive boards. Um, fun stat with these two teams that played tonight, I believe they're one and two in uh, blocks per game. So these two, guys, these two teams actually are 
pretty defensively sound when it comes to at least getting blocks. And I don't know so much about turnovers, but so the Lakers have always, the Lakers were known as being a pretty good defensive team. They have Anthony Davis, LeBron actually got pretty, he's gotten better over the years with his defense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, KCP is not bad. Rajon Rondo is going to be a huge asset when he does finally return because he plays that full court defense. Um, but yeah, yeah, very, very interesting day in basketball. Both number ones go down. Who's which loss is more surprising to you? I would have to say the Bucks. Yeah, like we we've seen Dame what Dame can do and what the Trailblazers have done. They had to fight their way into the playoffs. So the Lakers they they hadn't had to had to do that. The Lakers could have chilled because they had the one seed the whole time they were basically just playing just to finish out and get some uh playing time in and just be ready for the playoffs these blazers they came out hot and they showed out tonight carmelo oh man was i wrong about carmelo a long time ago i said he wouldn't last 10 games he actually hit a shot with uh how many uh i don't know he had a three uh probably i wouldn't call it the dagger three but there was two minutes and 33 seconds left in the game Mm -hmm. and the uh, trailblazers were up three it was 95 to 89 he gets the look from uh damian lillard hits the three and so far since these games since the seeding games and the playoffs obviously game one Mello has hit probably the most clutch shots out of anybody besides Devin Booker having a nice game winner and a couple mm-hmm. of other guys having some nice clutch shots. Mello has hit the three when they needed it most or the jump shot when they needed it most. And I'm not saying this is vintage Mello, but vintage Mello was a dog in the fourth quarter. We've seen it as Chicago fans when he was with New York. He did it multiple times to us. He's done it to a lot of teams. Healy, yes, you were wrong. Um, I was, I wasn't on board with the mellow. You know, I, I knew he was talented. I just didn't know where it went. It was almost like the movie Space Jam, where they, the, the, you know, the monsters came and just took the talent from from a player, and he just didn't have it. I think he fits perfectly with this Portland Trailblazers DNA. They can sh- all shoot. I saw Yusuf Nurkic shoot a couple threes. There was one he missed horribly, probably shouldn't be shooting as much as he was. But they have two great centers. They have Hassan Whiteside, who can come off the bench, bring the energy, grab boards. He had five blocks tonight. I like this Trailblazers team. I still would not bet against the Lakers. I will say Lakers in six. But Dame, as always, is going to, I mean, he's going to bring the heat. And you know what? If Dame could take this series somehow, and now he's beaten Paul George, James Harden, and LeBron in the playoffs, he's going to go down in history as one of the best point guards, in my eyes. Yeah. Because, you know, the stats are there. He's always a top scorer. He's always putting up a solid number of assists a game. But it's all about that leadership and how can you go above and beyond with a team that doesn't have that many Hall of Famers. It's not like the Lakers who have Anthony Davis and some other guys or even the Bucks. I think the Trailblazers are 
better than an eighth seed. They're proving it. Again, I don't think they'll go past six, but if Dame can pull it off the way he's been playing and that, you know, a supporting cast, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull it off in seven. Yeah, going back to like what you said though, the the Bucks loss definitely hurts more. I I didn't watch the game earlier, but I don't know how they they lost that game. The Magic, they haven't been a super great team. They lost one of their best players. We'll have to see if the Bucks turn it around. But as of right now, it's looking scary, and this championship is a toss-up. We we talked about it before, where we were like, we wanted to do our predictions for who will make it to the finals. I still have no clue based off the the series that have happened tonight. I know these are long seven-game series. The teams are one seeds for a reason. But it's it's not the same circumstances as before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening. Again, there's no home court advantage for any team. There's not many games where Giannis is going to put up the numbers that he did today and shoot almost 50% and they lose. Um, I know Chris Middleton had a horrible game. He only had 14 points. He shot 4 of 12. Magic, I mean, they were in the middle of the pack um for a while they did drop to the eighth seed um obviously behind like the nets and some others um i'm a little surprised more so by the fact that they led by so much the whole game i mean vucevic is a great center he's always a top dog he's always one mm-hmm. of the most expensive to go with on FanDuel. um and he played up to the hype and i mean he shot well over 50 percent and he's a center who can shoot the long ball he shot five of eight from downtown which I didn't know he had the long ball like that. I mean, I know he can shoot threes, but five of eight is super high percentage, very productive. You don't get that. You get that from a shooting guard, and you're like, wow, that's a good, that's a good day. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening. I, I still can't make a prediction. I still, I mean, I still think Milwaukee's going to take the series. I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep all the way through, but um, a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement so far. Um, I'm satisfied. I'm Speaking of satisfied. excitement, we did see Donovan Mitchell drop 57 yesterday and lose. And he lost. Yeah, they, they were playing without Michael Conley. Um, I forgot what the reason was with Conley. He couldn't play. Um, luckily, I did play Donovan Mitchell in my fan duel yesterday. I know I didn't put my fan duel out. Um, I'll put a fan duel out for tomorrow. We can get back to that. I had a great one tonight, but you guys wouldn't believe that I had it. Um, so yeah, Donovan Mitchell uh, put up, I believe, the third most playoff points, um, and he ended up taking the loss. Um, tough, tough loss. I, that Jazz team is weird to me. There's some days where they play extremely great basketball. And when I say great, I mean both sides because obviously defensively they're pretty good. They have, you know, Rudy Gobert, who's arguably a defensive player of the year candidate every single year and will be for the rest of his life. Um, but they just could not, I mean, for everything that he did um, in the games yesterday, there just was that Nuggets team is way too much, way too powerful offensively. Like, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, there was a, 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 you know, we had a listener who who replied, somebody I think that maybe you had known, yeah. um, who said, don't sleep on the Nuggets. And I agreed with them at the time because 
they, they have so much depth. And now that Michael Porter is starting to step up, I didn't even know that he was ever even going to play as much as he is in his career now. Um, and he's balling out too. And they're, they're looking like a very, very scary team in the West. And I'm talking like they will give the Lakers and Clippers a run for their money. Um, I mean, not many guys can score 57 and you still win by 10 points. So. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, something cool about the NBA playoffs this year. They're playing every other day. They're playing four games a day. Kind of like yeah. baseball in the in the playoffs where they play all day long. So you will miss a couple couple games in the day if you aren't aware. But it's cool. You don't see these random like two day layoffs in the series. They're trying to get them all down. Like a game that I probably would have turned on if I knew that they were playing today. Forgot. The Rockets and Thunder. Yep. This is a great series to watch. Rockets took it by 15 points Houston playing without Russell Westbrook James yep. Harden dropped 37 points 54% shooting 6 of 13 from 3 7 of 8 from the line and Eric Gordon step up with 20 Jeff Green step up with 22 a couple other guys in double digits Chris Paul 20 he had 20 10 and 9 so yeah, just missed a triple double Gallinari had 29 points and led for the led for the Thunder. Yeah, I think the biggest factor in that on that OKC t- OKC team was uh Shea Gilgis Alexander. He he's I know he's super young, um, but he's super talented and he did, he really didn't produce at all. In 35 minutes, he had nine points. He only shot the ball eight times. Um, and it's not like he was in foul trouble. He didn't pass the ball. He only had one assist. And he's one of those guys where you can rely on to at least fill the stat sheet. If he's not scoring, he might get, you know, some steals, rebounds, assists. He didn't really do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I turned down the game in the fourth quarter and OKC started to make a run. I saw Chris Paul score like six or eight unanswered points. Um, he had a quick assist. And they started to come back, and then Harden came in, and it, it it was like flawless basketball. Everything, it looked like OKC didn't even know what to do when Harden was on the court. Um, and credit, kudos to Jeff Green coming off the bench. The vet uh, played a huge game. And I think this year's Houston has a lot to, I mean, Houston in general, they have a lot to play for. They, with all the talent they've had, James Harden, who obviously has been pretty loyal to the team, mm-hmm. has yet to really go far um, to do what they did against an OKC team that's actually pretty good, better than yeah. what a lot of people thought. Uh, and they did it without Russell Westbrook. So it just goes to show that their team is pretty deep. Um, you know, next man up, you know, they have uh, James Harden's going to score 35 on any given night, but it's all about the supporting cast. And I think they all did their did their uh, their work and Jeff Green and Eric Gordon, too. Couple couple playoff games to watch tomorrow with uh, the evening slate. You got Philadelphia against Boston. Again, Ben Simmons is out. Uh, Gordon Hayward, he is going to be out for pretty much the remainder of the playoffs. How big of a deal is that to the Celtics? That's huge. He actually has been playing really well this season uh, before the bubble, uh, during the bubble. Um, 
he provides a lot of minutes. He can play anywhere from 30 to 35 minutes. We know what Gordon Hayward's capable of. Um, I, it's going to put a lot of pressure on, on the younger guys now. It's going to put a lot, of, a lot of pressure. I know we're going to see Marcus Smart probably picking up a lot of those minutes. Um, who Marcus Smart's a great ball player, don't get me wrong, but just the scoring, the purpose of Gordon Hayward being all around and offensively, he's a great scorer. Um, it's going to come down to Jalen Brown now. It's going to come down to Jason Tatum. Um, you know, uh, Kemble Walker is going to mm-hmm. have to pick up. He's going to have to shoot more. I know they were slowly working him back into uh, away from that that minutes uh, limitation or that restriction. Um, but he mm-hmm. he's pretty much good to go now. Uh, it's a huge hit. It's a huge hit. Um, they're gonna, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. It's, it's, it's now it's back to the young squad, you know, besides Kemba. Kemba's obviously a veteran. Um, but you know, they, they, they're still gonna be okay. Um, I don't know exactly how long he's gonna be out for. They said he might miss most of the, uh, the series, if I'm not mistaken. Hayward? Yeah. Four weeks. That's, that's the series. That's almost the next series, too. So, uh, this series, I don't think they have a lot to worry about. Joel Embiid played a great game. He said it himself. He didn't play good enough. Sure, even if he put up a better game, I don't know what this 76ers team can truly do when their best player, one of the best guards in the game, is out. And yeah. we don't even know. I don't know. Like, we don't even know what the timetable is exactly. It was indefinite when they originally said he had a partial dislocation of his left knee. Um, but Ben Simmons is a huge factor. And without him, I mean, sure, Joel Embiid can go 40 and 20 all day. But unless Josh Richardson is going off and and Al Horford is stepping up, it's going to be tough to beat the Celtics team, even without Gordon Hayward. I mean, they're so deep. Yeah, tomorrow, game number two, Boston does have a 1-0 lead. You could also check out Utah and Denver. And then the early game of the day is Toronto and Brooklyn. The night game, though, Dallas and the Clippers. Clippers kind of got lucky in game number one, I would say. Did you? So I wanted to talk about that. <clears throat> the ejection of Kristaps uh, Porzingis. I'm just going to say it. It was bullshit. It shouldn't have happened. Um, I don't know what what the reasoning was, and I know a lot of players felt the same way. Um, he was just going over there for one Marcus Morris. I don't know about you, but I've watched a lot of basketball and I feel like he's in the middle of a lot of, uh, scuffles and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and he's just an instigator. And I do believe Luka Doncic had every right to react the way he did. He got spun around. He got tossed a little bit and he was disgusted with the, with the move. And I don't think it was anything bad. It wasn't anything like Marcus Morris did anything. You can tell he was clearly um, physical with Luca, um, and Luca had every right to feel the way he did. And of course, Marcus Morris, being the type of player that he is, was not going to take anything from anybody, especially Luca. Mm-hmm. And that's what caused um, him to get in Luca's face, in which Kristaps Porzingis came to back him up. And no punches were thrown. It did get physical, but. Long story short, they did eject him early in the game, and the Clippers won. They they in Luka Doncic had a he played a great game, mm-hmm. a typical Luka game. Yeah. He's a little Kristaps. rusty with the turnovers. 
Yeah, the Heat did have some turnovers, but that that Clippers defense is really good too. So it's kind of I, I feel like that's going to happen on any given night. Um, I I don't I don't see another ejection happening that easily. I'm sure somebody had to tell these refs like, hey, like watch the film. It wasn't anything you know serious, or maybe mm-hmm. they're doing it on purpose. They're trying to avoid any sort of uh, physical altercations, any fighting. Um, but but that that could have been a completely different ball game. I mean, Porzingis is clearly the number two on the team, uh, being a seven foot. Uh, he's, he's a sharpshooter. He can shoot the three ball. He can grab the boards. Uh, he's just another option for Chris uh, for Luca. Um, and they didn't have it. So I I personally I I didn't like it. I didn't like the ejection. I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, I it was it was a good game. Besides that especially a playoff game where you eject one of the stars in the game. You can't have that happen. Both of the technicals Porzingis got, because he got two of them, which resulted in the ejection. Both of them were unnecessary. Yeah. Like you could have called a foul or maybe like even the first one, who Just knows? one technical. The first one could have been fine. But the second one to like willingly know that he ha- already has a technical and give it to him so he's ejected, you can't be doing that in the playoffs, especially for how minor it was that uh, Porzingis, like what his actions. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't even bad. He got hit with a technical out of the game. Huge contributing factor to the Mavericks' success. Uh, going into the playoffs and yeah and then they only ended up losing by eight points who knows what it could have been yeah he was having a great game 14 points in like 19 minutes only Mm -hmm. um it 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 put it put the Mavs on the radar for me I didn't I mean I know Luke is great I know Kristaps is great they're they're always gonna fill the stat sheet and obviously they won they won quite a bit of games this year, but against the Clippers, I, I didn't know how well they would play against them because, well, the Clippers are arguably one and two with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to that game tomorrow. I can tell you that. I'm sure I I I feel like there might be one more instance in this series where Marcus Morris might get into it with somebody because that's just again what he does. Uh which I can't take anything away from him. I like Marcus Morris as a basketball player. He's a great ball player. He's ruthless. I mean, yeah. let's face it. Um, but but yeah, I think uh, it's it's going to be a good series. And unless the Mavericks can really win this next game, I don't see them coming back. Even down in a it's a it's a seven game series, but down two to zero against this Clippers team and and fun guy, it's going to be tough. <laughs> oh man, yeah, those are all the games tomorrow. Or technically, tonight. This podcast is already going to be up after this game happens. Forgot we're recording a day out. So, uh, yeah. For what we've talked about the past 15-ish minutes with today and tomorrow, as I said earlier in the podcast, we were recording this on Tuesday. This is going up Wednesday night into Thursday morning. So, you guys already know what happens in these games. And hopefully they're good. (laughs) I don't know if you you were the same with me where we forgot that we weren't going to upload this right away. Yeah, I did almost forget. Yeah, because we've been recording on Wednesday. It's obviously Tuesday night now. Um, But yeah, so just keep in mind when we say tomorrow, tomorrow is Wednesday night or today if you're listening to it because it is going to get released probably by midnight, which is Wednesday. So 
we got our we got our hours a little mixed up but um but yeah so definitely uh tune in tune in on the social media as well um i'm gonna i'm gonna put a fan duel out i've been very successful these last couple of days i dropped 330 tonight uh which 300 plus is always what you want to aim for uh, i'll have a nice little lineup for you guys i'll put it out on uh, instagram i'll put it out on twitter as well and then um yeah we'll stay in touch with that uh and again i don't know was there any other i don't think there was any other basketball news i think that's gonna wrap up um Real quick, we don't watch too much hockey, but shout out to the Blackhawks for making it past the first round. They are uh, currently tied 3-3 uh, in game four um, right now. Or I'm sorry, this is game, game five. five. Yeah, this is game five. They won game four. So uh, hopefully they can pull it off for the hometown one time. Um, we'll, we'll follow up with that maybe later on. It's tied 3-3 right now going into the uh, – there's about a minute left in the uh, second period there. Uh, if they can pull this off, who knows? They've pulled off crazier uh, series before. So, <laughs> oh man, I think that well, football. We got football news a little bit uh, today. I was watching watching the news. Football is returning within a month. Kind of yep. weird. Are there preseason games? Uh, there, I there see has... nothing scheduled. Ooh, so they're gonna jump right into the regular season. I don't know what they're going to do yet, but I still think that there should be um, at least a game at or least, two, at least two games, one to one to figure out who you're going to cut. <laughs> I mean, you got to let these rookies play. You have to know where they're going to play and you need a game to let your starters get in the, yeah. the, the, the swing of things. I mean, you don't want to go in cold. That's how guys get hurt. Um, granted, you don't see too much from starters in preseason. Um, you might, I think this year it's going to hurt the bears the most, mm -hmm. uh, because they have a quarterback, excuse me, a quarterback battle, uh, between, uh, you know, obviously Nick Foles and then they have Mitch Trubisky. Uh, so hopefully they get a couple of games in and figure out what they're going to do. It sounds like Trubisky is going to lead the starting unit, uh, at least until further notice. Um, but it's going to be a weird, uh, adjustment for the NFL, but it looks like they are scheduled to start on time. Um, and I believe as of right now, they're going to be playing in their home stadiums. They haven't really said anything about any sort of bubbles or restricting access to based on region where the home, you know, your hometown is. Um, mm -hmm. so, so we'll see. Uh, I, I'm still going forward with my fantasy football draft. So I'm, I'm, my fingers are crossed that we have a football season. <laughs> yeah. I brought up football though. Cause I did hear about the, the quarterback uh, controversy or quarterback battle in Chicago. It was kind of funny. They were showing player interviews about Trubisky and a couple of them were like, Oh man, Trubisky's coming out. This Trubisky is like making sure he's, He's going to be healthy. He is going to look sharp this year. This is his final year with the Bears. It's win, win the battle and perform well, or you're going to ride the bench and eventually exit the league in a few years. Yep. So you need to start doing something, especially with Nick Foles now coming in. And in the player interviews, one of them was Nick Foles. <laughs> they like asked him about Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, which... I, Nick Foles probably came into the camp. He probably knew Trubisky was going to be the number one from the start. He's your teammate. You can't really be like, why are you asking me these questions about this guy when I'm 
trying to compete for the starting spot. Whoever gets it, the other guys should be happy for uh, on on paper, like out in the public, should be happy for the other guy. But yeah, it was funny. He was he was talking about how Trubisky was changing and he was getting better from compared to like last year and stuff. There you go, Bears fans. You heard it here first on the Standing Room Only podcast. Trubisky is going to lead you guys to the promised land. Um, it's, no, but I, it, it, he very well could be. I mean, it's his contract year. Contract year is huge. As you said, this can make or break whether or not he's going to exit the league in a couple of years. Um, talented. He's super talented. It's there. He's had some games where you're like, why can't we get this Trubisky every single game? Um, now that he uh, has a little fire lit under his ass, so to speak, with Nick Foles being there, who knows? Maybe he does come out firing. We'll just have to wait and see on that. Other football news, uh, I don't think there really is. Alex Smith. Alex Ooh, Smith yeah, got he, the okay. Yeah, he He's, got cleared. Uh, yep. Never thought that. So is there going to be a QB battle between Smith and Haskins now? Uh, it seems there there might be. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Dwayne Haskins. He was great in college, but NFL level, he hasn't really done anything spectacular yet. The Washington football team um, right now, as they stand, uh, I, they showed him, you know, taking reps. Uh, I don't know what the status is as far as when is he. I mean, I assume he's okay to just play if that's, you know, as soon as they clear him for physical contact, that's it. Um, Alex Smith was a, he's a good quarterback, whether or not he lost anything due to his injury. Um, you know, we're bound to see, uh, but I would say there definitely is going to be some sort of quarterback controversy. There's going to be a battle there. And, um, well, that that's, that's another one to look forward to. Cause that Washington team's kind of weird. They, they have so much potential. Um, you know, they have, uh, I think guys is coming back as well. Um, you know, he, no, he got no. injured. No. Vice is out of the league. Oh, you don't know about that. I don't think that we really missing, talked about that. This happened. Something? This happened a week ago. Darius guys, no longer with the Redskins. He, uh, turned himself in for three counts of strangulation, domestic no violence. Way. Yeah. Darius guys. He is, he's gone. He's not coming back. I, I forgot that we, we didn't even talk about this on a previous podcast. I forgot. But yeah, he is, he's done. Who knows how oh, long yeah. it, he barely got his start. It was looking promising. He got injured a couple times. Yeah, it's, it's not Reckless looking good. driving as well. Oh man. I know his injury was not the best. It was a knee injury, but his career was so promising, especially in Washington where you're just going to be a workload. Mm -hmm. That's tough. I didn't know that. I didn't even see that in sports news. I mean, granted I wasn't looking for Washington news, but that's, that's interesting. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned that name and I was like, Oh yeah, we forgot to talk about that. Yeah. So that's interesting. So he's off the team now. Um, so it's I don't even know who's on that offense. Uh McLaurin, the receiver, who's pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, he'll probably end up putting up some numbers. He always he has at least last year, he had a really good year. Um, so 
I don't know. There's a whole lot going on with the Washington football team. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's that's going to be it for the podcast this week. Yep. As so always. Thank you, guys. Yeah, as always, uh, make sure you go ahead. If you're listening, if you like what you hear, um, go ahead and hit the download button. It's it's the way we get uh, recognition uh, on our podcast. It's kind of like a view count for us. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a review. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. And we're on YouTube, the Standing Room Only Podcast. Uh, go ahead and follow our social media accounts, SR Only Pod. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram. I myself, I'm iGoose with four O's on Instagram and Twitter. And we have Healy. You follow me at the Healy six on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Until next week, guys. Have a good one.